Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Chasing Breadcrumbs. I have special guest for you today. Oh, talk about chasing breadcrumbs. I have Jill Wiley with me today. And she, that, you know, that first question I always ask, always as if (laughs) this might be the only episode you've ever listened to my friend, but I always love the question of tell us your story, specifically the breadcrumbs you followed. And Jill's breadcrumbs are like a freaking stack of Thanksgiving stuffing. Like we are going to get into (laughs) A real chase and breadcrumbs here. So let me tell you about Jill and then we're going to dive into her story. So there's a, actually, I'm going to edit a little bit of your bio out, Jill, because there's some spoilers to the story in there. Sounds okay. good. Okay. So Jill Wiley has followed breadcrumbs around the world. I won't say where. After 19 years as a teacher, plus experience as a business founder, stay-at-home mom, and a real estate agent investor, she moved with her partner and three kids to, spoiler alert, I won't tell you where. The move took over two years of planning, saving, paperwork. Ugh. I'm like, I'm getting tired just reading that sentence. Oh, but after all of that, after that, they landed in a different country that Jill will tell us about. And they are loving life. Today, Jill teaches four days a week at an international school, spends her quote unquote free time building and helping teachers to find their joy. You know, as you do, why take up stained glass workshops when you can help teachers find their joy? That's your spirit time. Hi, Jill. Hello. I am so excited to be with you today. Oh my gosh. When we connected, I don't even remember how we met, whatever, somewhere on the interwebs. And you gave me like the teaser trailer of your story. I was like, please come hang out with me. Please tell your story because (laughs) I am fascinated and I've only had two sentences of it. So I want all of the juice. So Jill, tell us your story. And specifically those big old breadcrumbs, those nudges, those moments in time where your whole journey kind of shifted. Give us, give us the scoop. Okay. Well, this is going to sound like I'm giving you way too much of it, but I am going to start by just saying I grew up in a really tiny town, a Mm. really tiny town. Like we didn't have a flashing stoplight until I was in high school. (laughs) We're talking a little town. And um, so what the first breadcrumb, and this is why it's important, is I studied French. I fell in love with French. And um, I wanted to live in France, but my parents were farmers. There was no way they were going to be able to afford to send me to study in France. And um, then one day my dad came and said, hey, I heard about this really good scholarship. I think you should apply for it. It's $21,000. And I'm like, dad, like I've researched stuff. I've looked all over the place. You have a zero or a comma or a decimal off somewhere. I don't think, I don't, I don't think so. Incorrect pops. There's no way. Yeah. Yes. Yes. In the immortal way of teenagers who know more than their parents. Oh, we know all the things when we are. (laughs) Oh yes. (laughs) Well, he was right. Mm. And so I applied for this scholarship ship and I was first runner up. And I was crushed, Mm. but I was like, you know, it's for any age. I'll just apply again next year. So I applied again the next year. I came home and I told my mom, well, I guess I'm going to apply again next year because people were incredible. It was one where you had to go for a half day interview. You know, you ate lunch, you Mm. met all the other candidates, all this stuff. I was like, I'm just going to apply again next year because there's no way, you know, there was somebody who wanted to study opera. There was somebody who wanted to do this. And I'm a teacher and I want to go speak French. That's all. Um, And then they called me that night and said, guess what? Would you like to go study in France? And I was like, so that was the first breadcrumb because if I I hadn't. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I have. Sorry, I told. I warned. By the way, everyone, I did warn Jill. I'm going to interrupt her with. We don't want to know more about. <laughs> so, buckle up. Okay. When you say, because you. By the way, everyone, Jill is not from a small town in Canada where at school she started learning about French. No, no, that is not your experience. So, how did you like? Wh- where? Where did you go? Ooh, I know French. Like, what was that little inkling? Oh, this is possibly the best breadcrumb ever. Um. I went to a Catholic school in eighth grade 
and our teacher decided it would be fun to teach us just a little bit of French. She was a musician. She had studied voice, so she had studied French, German, and she decided to teach us three verbs in French. So I had to choose between French, Spanish, and German. And I thought, wow, it'd be a shame to waste that French I've learned. Three verbs. Three <laughs> verbs. Decided the rest of my life. <laughs> I Based studied on your French. Je suis, tu es, il est, elle est. <laughs> and let's not forget avoir, because, you know, I was rocking avoir. <laughs> avoir is a good one. I'm with you. <laughs> Even with my awful public school French. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Okay, sorry. I was just so curious because it felt very, yeah. like, did you pick up a book? Did you see a, accidentally see a French TV show? But okay, it was, got it, got it, got it. Okay, it so. Yeah, three verbs. You rocked this scholarship round two. Okay. And then. Yes. So I, I lived in France for a year. I came back. I taught French um, for several years, met my husband. We got married. Life was good. And um, then, you know, I, 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 I asked you if I could be a little political here. Um, Go for it. Donald Trump got, we have, we've been talking about, hey, maybe we should, we have three kids. We've both lived overseas. We think it's really important. We need to get them a little bit of exposure to bigger stuff. Um, and then we woke up one morning in November and realized that Donald Trump was going to become president of the United States. And we went, oh, my Lord. Yeah, let's let's actually do that. Mm. Let's actually not be here. Um, so this was, of course, November 2016. And, and can I, I'm so curious about this. And I, again, I don't want to, we don't have to go into tons of your politics, of course, like that's fine. Like dinner party rules, I guess, whatever, but uh, screw it. This isn't a dinner party. I ask <laughs> I'm assuming it wasn't a response of like, oh my gosh, the Republican party is in charge because that has happened in your lifetime many oh, times yeah. that the yeah. Republic, like it's a bit of a seesaw game. So it was specific to that person. And I can make assumptions as to why that didn't feel aligned with you and your values. Yeah. <laughs> but was there anything in particular that made you, because really the other option, which many Americans chose, and it's a very fair decision is, well, we'll wait it out. Mm-hmm. He's a nut bar. And lot, there was lots of supporters too. So I'm not saying, you yeah. know, but there could have been an option where you go, we'll wait it out, whatever. Right. We'll try again next round. There is a very specific reason for that. It was because it, it, it actually wasn't Donald Trump and, and my husband and I have talked about this. Oh, interesting. It was, he was the symptom. Okay. Okay. That's a very fair point. Tell, tell a, me more, but I think I get it. Um, in the U.S., money has become more important than people. Hmm. Um, there are actually, like, it's, there are actually B Corps now. And I'm not sure if, if you're familiar with this or not, but a C-Corp at most, most, I can't say C-Corp because I'm not for sure, but most corporations in the U.S., their highest duty is to the um, shareholders. Right. And they have to, by law, place profit above other things. That's law. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. they don't, they can be sued. Like if they decide, hey, we think it's more important to actually keep our employees uh, during a pandemic lockdown, even though we could make more money if we laid them off because we don't need them right now, but we're going to keep paying them because it's the right thing to do, they could be sued. Um, And there's actually something called a B Corp, which um, is a corporation that that doesn't have that in the bylaws. There aren't very many of them. And it's a fairly new thing, I believe, but they're actually allowed to make decisions based on, um, I I can only think of the French word, honestly, benevole, they they, they benefits to things other than the shareholders. Mm. And there is a word that it stands for, but I can't remember it right now. Um, But it's, it's, I like money, 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 mm-hmm. money is the most important thing in America. Um, we've, we've sold our souls. We've sold our souls for money. Mm-hmm. I have taught in several schools. Actually, I think every school that I taught in before I came here was a high needs area where there was a lot of poverty. Um, 
we're, we, we've ruined people's lives and then mm. blamed them for it. Well, oh. this oh, you just got me with that. <laughs> you wouldn't have this problem. I didn't know I'd have to, to have my <laughs> tissues, Jill, for this conversation. Yeah. I didn't prepare my tissues, but yeah. So, but so true. I just, I think what you said there, it really got me was we've ruined people's lives and then we blame them for it. Mm-hmm. And it's oh. what we do. And we tell them, well, if you wanted a decent paying job, you should have gone to college. And then we tell them, if you didn't want student debt, you shouldn't have gone to college. Yeah. No, I mean, you, you know, no oh. matter what, if you live in poverty, you're screwed. Yeah. And that's, and those were the kids that I was teaching. And those were the kids that I loved. And I still struggle with my decision to leave, mm. you know, because did I do the right thing? Should I st- have stayed and buy it? thought? I, I don't know. I don't know. Mm. Um, but anyway, Donald Trump was the symptom. It's kind of like, Mm. I've never had this experience, but it's what I would imagine would be like, if you were having a problem in your marriage and you knew there were problems, but you were kind of like, okay, I think we can get through this. And then you found out that your husband had been having an affair for 16 years and you're just like, okay, um, no, I'm not really going to go to counseling because no, Mm. I knew there were problems to begin with. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. And that's kind of how we felt. Yeah. So this was our divorce from yeah. the U S hmm. and not everybody in the U S obviously I have a ton of, of friends who are really, really committed to resistance and to, to fighting and to doing the right thing and to hmm. making sure that people can get, live good lives, even if they happen to be born to poor parents and things like that. But, hmm. um, I had taught in a public school for 19 years. My husband was a consumer advocate and we were both really tired and we didn't want our kids to grow up thinking that mean was the way the world was supposed to be. Mm. Yeah. So. Oh, okay. And then here's where the story gets real weird for me. Um, (laughs) because status quo is the default, you know what I mean? Like, well, this, it is what it is. And by the way, I'm not knocking the people who, Cause I'm, I'm also one of them. I'm like, well, well, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yet you decided we're out, but then you actually did it. And that is the part that I find fascinating because it's just, that it doesn't actually, I mean, it's not super uncommon, but it's not the norm either. So you woke up, you, it was the flashpoint of, oh, we're, we are done here. And then what? Because the other thing people sometimes forget, especially those who've never moved to another country, you don't just buy a plane ticket and hop off. Like it's very complicated. And Norway is one of the country we moved to is one of the most difficult to move to in the world. I might edit that out. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll start over right there. And the country we moved to was one is one of the hardest to move to in the world. Like it's really difficult to Mm. move here if you're not married to a citizen or sent here on a job. And obviously we were already married. So that wasn't an option. Well, that wasn't an option. You weren't getting a marriage. And and how did you, we will, we will get to the country name soon. (laughs) Was it, let's throw a dart against a map. Like how did you even start to figure it out? What happened there? Well, my husband's family about three generations back came from here. Oh, okay. So there was a bit of a, there was like a heritage thing going on. Okay. Got it. Oh, interesting. And they had always stayed very much in contact with the culture. Mm. And can I, can I drop a couple of breadcrumbs here? Yeah. Drop some breadcrumbs. Like we'll start making guessing what country we're talking about. Pransakaka for Christmas. I know what that is because of the great Canadian baking show. But anyway, oh, oh, okay. This is like and, my favorite show. And, um, so his family had kept those ties all right. these years. Okay. Um, his grandfather actually had had a chance to meet the king at one point because the king of this country traveled to uh, another breadcrumb, um, Minnesota, don't you know? <laughs> uh, and he was part of the delegation that met the king. Right. Okay. Um, so there had always been an emotional connection for my mm. husband. And then... Um, I, I was partial to another country that's nearby. And, but the more I learned about this country, the more it really matched who we are. Mm. A lot of emphasis on equality, 
um, a lot of emphasis on quality of life. Mm. There are playgrounds everywhere. Why? Because kids need playgrounds. Mm. And they have good playgrounds, really good playgrounds. <laughs> uh, but it's just kind of indicative of the fact that they invest in things that make people happy. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So should we drum roll? Are you ready to drop sure. where you are currently living and have been for two years? How long have you been Three there? now. Three now. Oh gosh, three years. Okay. Okay. Wait, one more breadcrumb. Part of Jill's bio says they are living, they are loving their life by the fjord. So I'm assuming you're not in Arendelle, but you are in Norway. Norway. Yes. Oh, <clears throat> Stavanger, Norway. Okay. Now as a Canadian, the first question, and it's, 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 you probably hear it all the time, but I have to ask is, were you intimidated by winter? Um, Actually, winters are colder in Indiana, where we moved from, because we're in the southern part of Norway, and we're on the coast, like right on the coast. You got that nice ocean ocean effect. Yeah, yeah. Instead okay. Instead of being in the middle of a honking big continent. So we, my husband is super disappointed because... There isn't snow very often around here. We have to drive two hours into the mountains to get to snow. Oh my God. Okay. I have to tell you, Jill, selfishly, why I love your answer. I am from Canada, as you know, <laughs> but I am from literally the most Southern point of Canada. We are t- technically the same latitude as Northern California, like the way we technically the very, uh-huh. very top of California. And so when people say like, oh, winters, I'm like, we get, we don't. It's not that bad. Like it's cold. Don't get me wrong. It's not tropical, but whereas, you know, people who live in like in the middle of Canada get the minus 50 winters. Ours is like, you know, two degrees chilly, but not winter wonderland. Anyways. Okay. I'm glad we both had the same. (laughs) Okay. Tell me more. Tell me more. So two, two years of prepping for this move with paperwork and visas and all of the administration of it all. And actually, I I left my business and t- started teaching again right. because I had been staying home, building a micro business, teaching languages. And um, we started looking at this seriously and we're like, holy crap, this is going to cost a lot of money. And my right. business was profitable, but it was profitable sure. in a I'm also staying home with the kids and, um, you know, I'm working my business two days a week type of yeah. profitable. Sure. Um. And so my former administrator came, I ran into her at a plant sale that I always went back to. As you do, yeah. As you do, (laughs) as happens. And um, she was like, hey, you wouldn't be consider coming back to teaching, would you? And my youngest was going to kindergarten that year. I'm like, yeah, actually I would, I would. So step one was to start looking at master's degree programs because that was the only way we were going to get here okay was there is it like a so Canada has like a points based system where you get points for different like trades or qualifications or um is it similar to that in Norway like did it was it just really like GPAs okay okay got it they just really like GPAs now it's free to study in Norway but you have to get into a program Right. Okay. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So that first year we were still researching and the deadline for international students that are in the EU is December. So yeah, we missed that first year. So then I went back to work and we reapplied the next year and didn't get it. Didn't get in. Wow. Yeah. So how did you not stop there and go, oh, well, I guess that's a sign we shouldn't go. Because I am stubborn. (laughs) And thank God I married somebody who is as stubborn as I am. And we were just like, okay, once again, okay, it's your, so it's your scholarship again thing year. again. It's like, okay, we know what to do. Round two. That's right. Go. We're going to go again. Um, and we really just looked at each other and we kind of went, we're doing this until we get there, right? Yep. Yep. Wow. Um, we did actually also look at Canada for a little while, but we didn't have enough points. Uh, Even okay. with me speaking French. Because you guys don't need teachers 
as much. Yeah. Well, teaching is wildly competitive here. We've got, mm-hmm. got, yeah. uh, we got a lot of people who are like, please let me be a teacher. <laughs> exactly. And that's, that's my, that, that's yeah. my ace in the hole. I'm a teacher. Yeah. Um, so there, there went my, there went my ace card. Yeah. yeah. But um, so we applied again. And this time we looked for every master's degree that either one of us qualified for. I think we applied to 11 total. And that was not cheap because you have to send your original transcripts and your. Of course. Yes. Right. Right. But we were like, yep, this is an investment. So we're doing it. Maybe it wasn't 11. Maybe it was seven. But it was it was it felt like 11, Mm. like 1100. Um, And so I was accepted to one in Tromsø, which is not southern Norway, like. Mm. I believe that they actually, you have to watch for polar bears in Tromsø. I have heard that. I, that could be an urban legend, but it's it's up there. Um, and it was a great program. But in the end, we decided that since I'm a teacher and I could teach at an international school, it made more sense for my husband to go to the one that he was admitted to. Right. So we ended up in Stavanger. And we, so November 2016, and we moved here in July of 2019. Two and a half years. Wow. Over two and a half years. Wow. Yeah. And no, I'm, oh, I'm going to ask you an annoying question. One that I would roll my eyes at, but I'm going to ask you anyway. I am a high school teacher. And I <laughs> doubt if it will register. <laughs> okay. You'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> you won't, it won't even phase you. Um, any regrets? Uh, my parents are older and it, I, I really regret that my right. kids aren't an hour away from them anymore. Right. That's my biggest regret. I regret leaving my students. Mm. I was teaching um, newcomers in an ENL program. And I Mm. love those kids. And I love that job. um, Because they, I mean, I'm trying to get over my savior complex, but it doesn't always work and Mm -hmm. my gosh those kiddos they were they were tough as nails but they needed somebody and I'm just naturally a mom teacher you know the mom teacher love the mom teacher I'm Mm -hmm. the mom teacher Mm -hmm. and it was just such a great match because they needed somebody who knew how to do things and could help them with the system and figure things out and 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 things like that and that's who I was um so I hated leaving my kids hated leaving them um and, and I didn't realize at the time how much it would bother me that my parents are getting older without their mm. grandkids around because we, um, their, their other grandchild is grown now. Mm. Um, and it's, you know, it's not the same as having kids around and mm. my kid parents dote on their grandkids, absolutely adore them. And so mm. that's really hard. Yeah. And then the flip side is what pleasantly surprised you? Now that you've been there for three years, mm-hmm. hindsight, like looking back over your time there so far, what has pleasantly surprised you that you weren't expecting, but is really delightful? How nice people are. Oh, interesting. Um, it, it, it seems like in the U.S., everybody's under so much stress that we're just not very nice to each other. We honk a lot. Mm-hmm. We <laughs> flip people off a lot when we're driving. You know, that's just kind of, I, I, I think they cover it in driver's training now. Um, <laughs> and this is when you shoot them the bird. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, they're nicer to each other. There is, a, there is an assumption that people are doing the best they know how. Hmm. And we don't have that in the u.s i don't think and it it sounds like i'm dumping on the u.s and that's not my intention um but i'm also going to be honest and say i think we've taken some really wrong roads Mm. in the u.s we have made some choices again that put money over people and when you make choices that put money above people you're going to have some miserable people and Mm. when you have miserable people they're not going to be very nice I think because I don't know how it is in Canada, but in the U.S., there's tremendous, tremendous pressure to be at school. Like one of the corporations I taught at, and I loved my administrators at my building, but they were getting things shoved down on them that made life really hard. And so several places that I know, including one of 
the places that I worked, there was a limit to how many school days you could miss if you wanted to be in the highest ranking for effectiveness. So, you know, the teacher evaluations, if you missed a certain number of days and it was not very many, we're not talking like 20, we're talking like seven, um, you weren't going to make it in that top Nope. No matter how good you were when you were there, it didn't matter. You missed those many, that many days. Mm. You were out of it. Um, yeah, that doesn't lead to good parenting. Mm. That doesn't lead to good parenting. Having to be at work until five and being charged a dollar a minute. If you pick your child up after 530 at the daycare. And I understand why they do it. Those The, the daycare workers don't make a lot of money and they need to get home too. But that doesn't lead to happy people. It doesn't lead to good parenting. Mm. When you shove people into a corner, Mm. it doesn't lead to good things. And we just Mm. saw that happening all over the place. Yeah. I think I might have completely lost the thread of that question. No, you're right on the thread. We are hanging out on the thread. Okay. Because, and to full circle it back. and you find that in Norway, for I'm sure, again, a whole load of complex reasons, mm-hmm. of course, but there is the culture seems to be, I don't know, I, you didn't say friendly, actually, but you said like, nice, like pleasant. Nice, like- <laughs> nice. Yes. And, they, and there, I would say that Norwegians generally are not friendly. They are right. very um they're very, I don't want standoffish to sound negative, but they're never going to get in your business. Right. They're not like, Oh my gosh, it's so nice to meet you. Give me a hug. Come over for dinner. Like they're not doing that. They're just like, hello. Nice to meet you. Yes. Goodbye then. (laughs) One of my friends, actually, there was a bus strike going on at one point and we saw some people standing at the bus stop and she was driving. My friend was driving me somewhere. I was like, should we stop and tell them that there's a bus strike? I'm assuming they know she almost broke out in hives. She was like, Oh, Oh, no, we do not do that here. No, no. And this was two years ago. And she has mentioned it to me several times. She's like, no, that I, I just feel awkward when you even, even when I remember it. No, we do not do that. No, friendly, not so much. Wonderful. Yes, yes. Right. Got it. Got it. Okay. So, Jill, we have to pivot, of course, a little bit. Here. Okay. Because someone listening is going to go, well, that's all well and good because you knew you wanted to go to Norway. I don't know what the freaking freak I want. I don't know. Like, so I can't, it's all well and good, but I don't know. Like, I don't know what my version of moving to Norway is. So how, you know, and you said something to me um, when we first connected, Um, you had, you had written to me something like, I could just look it up, but whatever. I'm going to guess and then you correct me. We'll play it that way, which is like, how do you know which dream is the correct dream? Right, right. Like, is it a spreadsheet game? Do you Google? Like, how? How do you do this? Well, I'm going to take this actually from a business perspective, because like you said, I... I, I have I have started a couple of micro businesses. Currently, I work with teachers in the U.S. who want to get out of teaching, who are feeling mm. demoralized and are like, I got to get out of this. Um, <clears throat> but my best answer for that is you do something. Mm. Do something. You maybe start to research and then you do something. So my when I started this business, I thought I was going to do personal finance for teachers. And I had a blog and I had a lot of, of mm. articles on the blog. And I'm a big personal finance geek. Um, like I can actually tell you what a five, uh, a 457 is. And, you know, <laughs> I, I love that stuff. But I realized that teachers weren't worried. I mean, teachers are worried about money, but they're not worried about personal finance in general. They're worried about, I wanted to love this job and it is killing me, Mm. killing me. Now Mm. I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't started doing something, but I um, started, started coaching people about money and I went on some podcasts and the more I talked to teachers, the more I was like, there's a market for this, but it's really small. And what teachers want is out of teaching. Mm. I could never have known that if I just 
planned. Right. If I just planned. In other words, to know what is the quote right dream, you've got to do the scary stuff. Right. You've got to do right. the scary stuff. You've got to you, you've got to start the Facebook group. You've got to go on the podcast. You've got to have a client, like tell people that don't, don't even worry about having a client yet. Say, tell people I'm a money coach for teachers. Mm. I'm still saying I'm a money coach for teachers, even though I don't get to do much money coaching, but you know, one of these days. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But you, but, but my first step was saying, I'm a money coach for teachers. Mm. And it sounds like, like, and I think what I, what I like about that too, is, you know, someone listening might go, oh, well, you could have just figured that out by doing market research. You could have called up 50 teachers, asked them what their biggest worries were, figured it out, launched your website for blah, blah, blah. But the, I think what I, what I really like about what you're saying is you're also crossing things off the list as you go. Your interest was in finance. You're like, I'm going to just do this. Mm -hmm. And then you did it for a while and went, actually, this is great, but it's not quite this. Right. So like cross it like a dotted line. I'm sure you mm-hmm. still were, you know, I'm still, as you're helping teachers leave teaching, there's still a lot of finance stuff in yeah. for sure. But then it's just like, okay, well, what's the next thing? And then play with that a little bit. Cause I think to your point, if you like, if you had just planned and planned and planned and created a website and then planned and planned some more, you would have no idea how you feel doing the thing. Like right. you wouldn't have any idea. And then you might go like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I don't enjoy this at all. Yeah. So yeah, sometimes you just, you have to do something before we moved to Norway. And I'm, I'm afraid I'm kind of answering your last question a little early. Oh, that's fine. Let her we rip. traveled to Norway. We said, uh, so in summer of 2017, we said, okay, kids, we're taking a family trip to Norway. We didn't say, and we're thinking about moving there, but we wanted them to have some idea of what Norway was. And we wanted to know whether it seemed like a good place because neither one of Mm -hmm. us had spent any time here. So we came here. We were super lucky to be able to um, meet some of Rob's very distant relatives. Mm. Um, We, and, and that's when we were like, yeah, this feels right. Oh my goodness. People are so nice to each other. People are so nice to each other um, mm. and not, not every day. And I'm sure that there are a lot of, a lot of people, if somebody hears this and they live in Norway, they're like, well, they don't admit the Norwegians that I met, but no, but generally speaking, yeah, they're nice to each other. Um, we were on a train and my daughter, so this was the 2017 trip. She was standing up beside me, asking me a question. She was like seven. So she should have been standing up. And the conductor came around and he kind of leans down and he looks at her and he looks at the seat she's supposed to be sitting in. And then he looks at her and then he kind of points to the seat she's supposed to be sitting in. And then he looks at her and winks and then he points to the seat again. And she went and sat down. Mm-hmm. And then I go back to Newark when we're visiting and nothing against Newark, <laughs> but oh my gosh. They're screaming at people. That's not the line. That's not good. No, you gotta go. And I'm like, ah. mm. oh. And and so that's when we. It was when we actually took some kind of action that we went. This this feels right. So you're right. You you kind of have to see how it's gonna feel. Maybe that's mm. just because I am, you know, a language person and all touchy feely and everything. But I have to know how it's gonna feel. And Norway felt right, mm. you know? And it doesn't mean that it'll feel right forever. Yeah. I mean, I hope it does. I hope it does. I hope we're here for, for the long haul because I really love it. But, um, yeah. you know, if it, if it doesn't feel right, then we'll, we'll try something else. You know, and I think, I hope people, there's one small thing you said earlier when we were talking about that, that kind of process to, to move to Norway and you gave up your business and went back to an employed role. Um, and I just hope people know when they're listening, they're, they're not thinking like, oh, must be nice to be able to afford to move to Norway. You couldn't afford it either. Hence no. why you had to make 
right. changes and there's that yeah. delayed gratification. So I think, I think it's important for people to remember. And I'm, I'm curious about your thoughts on this too, Jill. Like, I think it's so easy to think of something like, oh, it'd be so amazing to take a sabbatical and live in New Zealand for a year. Oh, well, that's not possible. Do, do, do. And I, for, for yeah. many people, it, it probably is. Almost yes. Possible. Yes. And I'm let's put that out there. Possible for everyone. Just buck right. up, sweetheart. No, 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 it is not. For some people, though, it is a potential. Mm-hmm. Just not today. So like what? I'm so curious about your thoughts or advice for those people who it does feel like it's too far away and it's just, it's not possible. (sighs) I had someone tell me once, and I thought this was the most brilliant thing ever. It has stuck with me ever since then. Um, If you are looking at something straight on and there is a large thing right in the center of your vision Like, even if you're looking at the Eiffel Tower or, you know, something massive, the Rocky Mountains, if you take something and you put it right up close to your face, like maybe your cell phone, I I don't know. That's just what I'm saying because it's right beside (laughs) me. But there's something really close to your face. You don't see what's far away. Mm. So if you take those obstacles and you keep them right in front of you and you keep thinking about the obstacles that have got this obstacle and this obstacle and this obstacle and this obstacle, then you're never going to be able to see that distant goal. Hmm. But, you know, your eyes focus far away just as well as they focus close up. So if you can stop looking at the obstacle, stop keeping the obstacle right in front of you, then your eyes can focus on the mountains or the Eiffel Tower or Mm. whatever that distant thing is. And that's how you keep going. And you keep your mind right. You know, I am, I'm off podcast at the moment, but I was completely a podcast junkie when we were doing this. I listened to Marie Forleo. I listened to, um, and when I say off podcast, I just mean my life is crazy. And when I have a minute, I'll listen to them again because I still love them. But I listened to podcasts all the time. I found podcasts that made me believe it was possible. And I listened to them. Mm-hmm. And I read books when I had 15 minutes about this is how you go towards dream. Um, so it was, it was very much about consciously knowing that this is going to be hard. And I'm just going to go through it anyway. Um, When I started my business, I told my kids, my students, that I was leaving teaching and I was going to start a business, which I had already started it, but I was going to build it. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were talking about something that was hard one day in class. And they they said, you know, I'm going to, I'm starting this business, but I know it's going to fail. I'm going to fail. Oh, that was it. I know I'm going to fail. And they're like, Miss Wiley, you can't say that. You've got to say, I believe him. I said, no, I know I'm going to fail. And then I'm going to go again. And then I'm going to go again. And then I'm going to go again. I'm going to say the wrong thing on a sales call. I'm going to forget to go to a meeting. I'm going to fail. But I'm not going to care. I'm going to keep going. And so I think sometimes we do ourselves a disservice when we only say the, I'm going to succeed. Well, yeah, you are eventually. But if you don't also acknowledge that part of success is all those failures, then you aren't going to succeed because you're going to think that because you failed once, you failed and you haven't. Mm -hmm. You just haven't succeeded yet. Oh, Rob Bell does this. I don't know if you ever listened to the Robcast. Shout out to Rob no. Bell. He's oh, he's one of my favorite. And he he did an audiobook recently and he talked about, and I'm I will link to Rob Bell. I am not trying to steal his amazing idea, but I have to share it with you because it's so aligned with what you just said. He said, you know, if you look at nature, there is no failure. Like a tree, you know, every every fall or every spring or whatever season it happens, and you know, a maple tree releases literally thousands of seeds one at best a year, maybe becomes a sapling, let alone a tree, maybe two, but it's not like, oh, I've wasted time on those other seeds yes. or like, oh, I wait. No, that's just, it's not how, that's not a thing. <laughs> it yeah. just, that's what it does. And then sends them out and yeah, maybe, maybe one, maybe two, mm-hmm. that'd be great. 
Right. But there's no like, oh, the rest were wasted. Oh, they were failures. Oh, they didn't. Mm-hmm. And I just think that that's a reframe that always helps me mm-hmm. when I'm getting, and I'm, it's so easy for me to get caught in that loop of like, I am a fucking failure. Like my brain loves the, oh, yes. Loves, that's like mm-hmm. its favorite party line is you big fat loser. <laughs> like you just suck. And I'm like, hey, brain, hang on here. Remember the tree. <laughs> Remember the tree. <laughs> But I'm not the only person who talks to my brain. <laughs> I'm trying to train my children my to talk a to their brains. Maker. I gotta talk that thing down sometimes. Oh, I yeah. know. I know it. It it is. It is. Okay. And part of it is knowing that everybody's brain is. Oh, that does help. To... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, Jill. I have uh-huh. one more question because okay. you're in Norway. So it is like your evening time and you have better things to do than to hang out with me all literally until midnight. So I am gonna let you go, but I have one more question. I am curious because the length of time it took you was two and a half years Mm -hmm. from we're going to move to moving. Right. For me, I think the trap I would get caught in is things will be better once we move. I'll be happier once we move. Kids will be this once we move. Things will be this once we move. And that is such a trap. Um, of like the goalpost thing. Then yes, the goalpost it is. Are like, oh, everything, everything's the same. Oh, I am the yeah. same person now. How did you avoid that trap of getting caught in? Well, once we're there, like put almost putting your life on hold hmm. until you were there. How did you, how did you do that? I, I, I don't know if I have a good answer for that. I was just really lucky that I, I loved what I was doing in the meantime. Okay, got it. Well, I love you were it. teaching and you're, mm-hmm. you did say the one potential regret-ish would, would be leaving those kids. So mm-hmm. you obviously weren't miserable, like marking things on the wall until you could go. No, I wasn't. I wasn't. Right. I was, and I knew that once we moved, um, my kids weren't going to have as much time with their grandparents. So I did know that going in. Right. And so when I got... um when I got that way, I would just kind of remind myself, Hey, this is, this is a limited time offer. Mm. Um, it does remind me though, of when I lived in France for that year, um, a lot of my friends were from Europe, so they could pop home and see their families. And once I was there, I was there. I Mm. didn't go home for Christmas. You know, I was there for the, for the academic year. Um, and every time I started getting homesick, I would say, okay, if you had a ticket in your hand right now and you could fly home, but you would miss every bit of this that you actually missed out on. Those days would be gone. Would you fly home? Mm. And my answer was always no. Even when mm. I got really homesick. Um, so I, I, I don't know that I have a good answer to that because I don't know, I guess it's just throw yourself into where you are. And, and that's harder to do if you're not happy. Sure. So I guess I would say if you're, if this is a one-off thing and it's not like you're continually moving those goalposts, like, oh, it's going to be better when I find a boyfriend. Oh, it's going to be better when we get married. Oh, it's going to be better when we have kids. Oh, it's going to be better when I have the dream job. Oh, it's going to be better when I'm retired. You know, that's a pattern that needs to be broken. But if you really are unhappy, then maybe don't beat yourself up for thinking things are going to be better as long Mm. as you know the source of your unhappiness. Like um, a lot of the teachers that I work with, um, they are unhappy because they are honestly in an emotionally abusive relationship. Yeah. Um, So much stuff has been piled on teachers that, that, that it's just ridiculous. Um, And then they, they post after they've left teaching and they're like, oh my gosh, my life is so good. I can pay whenever I want to. This is the best. Uh, I, can, I, can, I can take 35 minutes to eat lunch if I want to. Oh my gosh. Um, so I, I think that you have to be real about, is this me not dealing with life and thinking that something out there is going to fix it for me? Or is this for real? not a good situation and I'm going to be better when I get mm. out of it because both of them can be true, you know, it, and you mm. just have to stop and think about that and ask yourself the question and, and be willing to answer it and not beat yourself up. Well, this is just me. I'm just a horrible person and I'm never going to be happy, whatever I do. And also not let yourself off the hook. 
Mm. of, oh, of course it'll be better this next time. And it's hard to be honest with yourself. Mm. Yeah, no. And I think you, you said it perfectly in there when you said like both, both get to be true. You get to work towards this big change that will take two and a half years or 10 years or going back to school or whatever. And you get to find those moments before the end of today where Mm -hmm. you can, you know, do the fun stuff. Fine. Like whatever, go and meet a friend Mm -hmm. for coffee, go for a walk in nature, whatever. And, and also the uncomfortable stuff that helps though, like setting boundaries and conserving your energy and surrounding yourself with people who support you and having tough conversations because of that. And, you know, it's kind of both and that bigger picture, by the way, especially (laughs) if any teachers are listening Jill is your gal. She's going to sort you out and get your transition plan sorted. You know, especially if you are to your point in a burned out, toxic, overworked, under-resourced, like, yeah, I, you can, you can be the doll. I freaking llama. And I guarantee you, you will be having a tough time, um, in that, in that environment. And, and, and just to be clear, I'm not trying to convince anybody to leave teaching. I want good teachers in the classroom. I want teachers who are passionate. I do not want to convince people to leave, mm-hmm. but I also don't want people to sacrifice themselves for a system that's destroying them. So, that's you know, right. there's that. That's right. Okay, Jill, if anyone needs to find you to be like, I need more, I need more Jill in my life, where can they find you? Um, the best place, honestly, I'm, I'm, you can check out classroom to home, but that's my personal finance blog. And I don't really post that much anymore. So it's classroom to home.com. Um, but I am a Facebook girl. I guess I'm a dinosaur, but I love <laughs> Facebook groups. And the main way that I communicate with people is through my Facebook group, which is classroom to home, leave, leave teaching. Um, and on Facebook. I am Jill Marie. I am not Jill Wiley. I am Jill Marie. And my uh, profile picture is me with my husband in Norwegian sweaters. <laughs> so there you go. Well, no, it's you. When we find That's right. You. Look for the Norwegian sweaters. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, we'll include those links as well. Jill, we got to do lightning round before I let you okay. go and go to sleep. Okay. 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 Let's see what you punch drunk, tired in the evening answers you'll give me. Ready? Oh, this is going to be good. Okay. Question one, sunrise or sunset? Mm. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Whichever one's happening. (laughs) All of the above. Thank you. At the moment, at the moment, sunrise, because uh, the sun rises over the mountains behind the fjord. So in Stavanger, sunrise. Yeah. You, just, you really do live in Arendelle. Anyway. Okay. Oh. Question two, who is one of your heroes? Who is one of my heroes? Honestly, I have so many heroes, but I am going to shout out to my friend that I mentioned earlier. Mm. Her name is Kim. She is a brilliant poet. She has, oh, she's incredible. And I feel like I have my own little Emily Dickinson and oh. um, she is, she's one of my heroes. She is mm. She's doing the thing even when it's hard. Hmm. She sounds pretty cool. She is awesome. (laughs) Okay. Coffee or tea? Tea. If you could be any animal for one day, what would you pick? My son asked me this question this morning. The joys of having an inquisitive 10-year-old. So I know my answer, (laughs) a crow. Okay. Okay. How about this? You have one meal that you have to eat for the rest of your life. What do you pick? Soup. Soup. <laughs> soup. Any particular soup? Just no, that's why I want soup. soup. Because it's all the kinds of soup. It's like, it's like, you know, the you can what's your wish? And you can't I wish, wish for, for no I wishes. Wish for 10 wishes. Yeah. Soup. I can have all of the things. I can have, you know, French onion soup. I can have stu- soup. Soup. Okay. Okay. You've convinced me. It's a good answer. At first I was like, terrible answer, Jill, but I'm with you now. You've won me over. You won me. Meditation or yoga? Um, oh, that's a hard one. Um, I want to do both of them and I am neither. <laughs> so um podcasts. <laughs> Option C. If you won the lottery, what is the first thing you spend a little bit of money on? The first thing that I would spend a little bit of money on, um, 
Oh my gosh. I hate how, how, how goody two shoes this is going to sound, but I'm going to say it anyway. I would send money to some of my teacher friends who teach in really, really low income schools because I know they are going to know the kids who need it and they're going to take care of them. Oh, so good. Okay. Mountains or ocean? Mm, Norway, both. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Oh, oh man, that's a mean one. Um, Okay, ocean. Okay. But don't, Um, don't tell any of my friends in Norway. No, no, our little secret. Yes. Our little secret. That and whoever listens to this, but Uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. We'll we'll keep it on the down low. Um, What is your dream travel destination currently? France. Been too long since I've been there. Oh. Mm -hmm. Winter or summer? Mm, Summer. Okay, last question. Mm -hmm. You have a billboard in every urban center in the world. What do you put on that billboard? Mm. Oh, my. That just deserves a lot more thought than a speed round. <laughs> well, that's why it's last. To be it fair. really does. Because <laughs> I'm going to wake up to <laughs> two o'clock in the morning and be like, oh, yes, it should have been that. You know, I'm going to. Um, how about be kind to yourself and others? Great. I love it. If you think of something you want to, if you want to wash over that billboard and replace it, you let okay. me know and I'll put it in the okay. notes. But as it is, you should <laughs> go with that. Be kind okay. to yourself and everyone. Jill, thank you so much for hanging out with me and telling me your story and answering all my many, many questions. And I'm so grateful to you. Thank you. I really appreciate oh, your time. This has been a blast, an absolute blast, even if it has kept me up past 8.30. <laughs> On a Friday night. I mean, and that's saying something After right there. After a day of teaching. Yeah, yeah. Jill, go to bed. That's what okay. you need to do. That's your next step in life. Go to bed. That is my next step in life. You're not kidding. Actually, <laughs> right, take the friend. puppy out and then go to bed. <laughs> and then go to bed. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's a yeah, good yeah, order yeah. of events. Okay. All right, my friend. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.